Welcome to Use After Free, where we will discuss whatever topics are on our minds at the moment. This is an outlet for us to explore new ideas, challenge each other, challenge ourselves, and challenge our listeners. We believe that discussion about hard topics is vital to the success of our country, our communities, and ourselves. Have a listen, start a discussion, and reach out to be involved. We hope you like this episode, and please subscribe for more content. So, like most syndicated shows, whatever, uh, the What Are You Thankful For episode, uh, it's pretty, like, lots of people do it, right? Like, it's it's a known thing, but I think everyone's uh, thankful for different things, and maybe this is our chance to put our own spin on this. I think so. I think there are a lot of reasons out there that people could be thankful, but maybe examining some of that and the genuineness behind that would be um would be a worthwhile or interesting endeavor yeah with that in mind so what exactly is thankfulness to you i mean i think that like many things that's it's not canned and simple i think there's a lot of things and gradients within thankfulness but i mean i don't think that that means that some are less important i think they're just at different levels of thankfulness um like so so for like a great a great example right i'm thankful for my wife i'm thankful for all the time that we spend together and everything the support that she gives me and that but i'm also thankful for living in america and living in the freest society and having a place that we can exchange these ideas and i'm also thankful for being able to have a job in this time and being able to provide and to be able to live and to have some great comforts. And I think that all of those are at different tiers in terms of spectrum or how broad they are. But I don't think anything is necessarily more or less. It's just what are, what are you looking at? Um, and I really think that the, the thing that I'm focused on is it's very easy to have a generic, bland Hallmark card thankfulness and I just want to bring mindfulness and focus and intention into what are you truly thankful for and maybe why or what what is the underpinnings of that thankfulness like what inspired you or got you to that point yeah that's what I was driving at with the whole defining it is what is it what is it exactly because it's it's one thing like you said to list off the the litany of things but uh, to fully understand and engage on what thankfulness is, you know, it, um, not reading out of the dictionary just off the top of my head. It's it's the ability to understand that the opportunity or hardship or circumstance put in front of you. I mean, if you're a religious person, maybe uh, some preordination or some path that's set forward by God, or if you're not still the idea or ability for you to recognize your circumstance and appreciate how you've gotten there. Yeah. Um, I, that's really well said. Um, I was kind of pulling through, you know, pulling it back cause I did just give the examples um, yeah. in my, in my definition or how I would say, I would say it's the humble acceptance of external factors or circumstances that make me better than I could otherwise be on my own. I'm going to recognize that where I am is not because of me, but the things that I'm thankful for that allowed me to be what I am. So I would also say that there's two sides to that statement, though, of what you just said. One, there are things external to you that contribute to your to you today, but there is a large portion that you know the the integrity and that you did contribute to something to be who you are today and i think that shouldn't be overlooked and as well you're right i i think that's true i think i do view those as factors that help me make better decisions they inform me they provide a foundation and a stability especially in terms of my family, both me and my wife and my extended family, like the support and the love and the stability to know that I 
am not alone and I can venture out and posit these ideas and know that there's also like, that's a good check against me. You know, I trust that their love will support me, but also give me guidance and counsel to make sure that I am making the best decisions and provide an opportunity for those types of discussion and self-discovery and self-exploration um, and finding those ways to give back or to uh, better myself or better us as a unit um, and go forward from there. And I think those, those are the driving factors and like the fact that those things exist and that that can happen and that those feelings are real is that no matter what, like I will be thankful for that, that I am using all of that and I'm not trying to be ignorant to it or realize that it's not there or take it for granted. I'm truly humbly thankful. You're not a loop of the situation. You're, you're kind right. about it. Right. Right. To, uh, to deal with it directly. It's, it is, I think there is a definite portion of it that is humility and just understanding whatever, but that we also drive our own destinies in some sense as well. So um, one of the things I reflect on and I'm grateful for is a couple of different times in my life where I was posed with the opportunity to, hey, take a new job or maybe I didn't like this or that or there's a spe specific ind thing or individual that opposed me or whatever. And then I reflect on my mom saying, don't cut off your nose to spite your face. And at the time being begrudging, all right, whatever, I'll do this just because I knew uh yeah long run things that can very much benefit you and to do something out of spite is a emotional reactive thing and I, I don't think we make our best decisions at that time i don't think that the human brain fully once you're at a heightened state of like i'm upset about this to to try and logically process through something is not a I've not seen someone who's able to accomplish that very well. Definitely. I'd say it's a difficult task. Definitely. It's, I think it stops a lot. Um, also, I really like that your mom taught you with Shakespeare. That's pretty yeah. great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know much Shakespeare, to be, true, to be truthful. Um, not much of it that I remember. It's just... Uh, not that I have anything against it. I just, uh, when I'm looking at individual things that I use on a daily basis, that stuff more easily sticks out in my mind. And maybe I should do some more reading. I mean, you can. There's great synopses too. Those cover a lot of the bases. Just grab the cliff notes. Sure. So yeah, I'm real thankful for um, my upbringing, my family. Uh, everything I've been through, the adversity, trials, and everything that I've done that has brought me to this point. I think it's constituted to who I am as a whole person. And uh, I, I really do value and am thankful for um, differing points of view. And, and my friends, if any of them ever do listen, really thankful for them especially the ones who are on the far left, because I it helps to keep myself grounded and understand, okay, where are you coming from with that sentiment? How are you how are you arriving at that conclusion? Definitely. Definitely. Um I th I think that's that's a big one too. I think it's getting overlooked. I think being thankful for friendship and the time spent developing friendship has fallen um in the past the recent past. And I think that that's something that we can work on or needs to be focused on um, and that we shouldn't overlook it and that building friendships is still incredibly important. Yeah, I think it's it's even more pivotal today in the uh, brave new world that we're in that is uh, after post-COVID, whatever you want to call it. But the idea that you know, a lot more relationships and whatnot are established through, you know, communication mechanisms, not just talking, not just sitting in front of each other. I mean, you and I both live in different states and we talk on a weekly basis, not only for the podcast, but for just standard shooting, shooting the crap, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's 
just such a big thing. Um, I actually did a did a Google search here while we were talking. Come up with the um, the what are you thankful for among American adults? And the average person chose five things that they are thankful for. All right. To the point in order of percentages, it was family, health, friends, memories. Shockingly, personal freedom came in fifth. Stability, fun experiences, opportunities, achievements, and then wealth. A couple of those hit a little close to home. I've got some interesting views on what I view. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. From a principled standpoint, what do I think is the biggest driving factor in nature? And, like, I keep... I keep coming back to the rationality that jobs, employed people who have a task that needs to be accomplished, are going to be happier, better off, economically prosperous, stuff like that. I guess, yeah, so the point point that I was trying to get at, and and I think we can fall into it, is we have the things that we are personally thankful for in our personal lives that are not our politics. Politics, right? I do not believe that we are identitarian in our political beliefs. You say identitarian. What do you mean by that? I mean, someone who uses whatever that subject is as how they identify themselves completely. Like that is their whole, that is their meaning. And I don't think that that is the case with us in politics. Um, maybe it's like our past episodes because of the things that have been interesting us at the current time. But I do know we've slated so many other topics and well, but. My point being is I think that we aren't identitarian in that. And if we remove that, um, we still have so much thankfulness for our friends, like you were talking about, and the loved ones in our lives and the choices and experiences that we've made in our past and that we've lived through that can inform what we are. But I do believe also that the thankfulness for those larger ideals and those larger focuses that may express themselves through our politics, but they may express themselves through religious beliefs as well as social choices comes down to that is the feeder of the umbrella term of American exceptionalism or why we are aware of that topic or why there is that focus and how it can sound isolating or focusing. But really the idea is it's a nice little way of saying, there's all these benefits, economic, political, social, uh, that we that we can just put a nice little bow on and say this term means these great things that we wish to share with others. Yeah, I think the prosperity of American values and ideas are, while not directly mirrored, uh, as as far as like a lot of our institutions or the mechanics that goes into our um, form of government, it, it's not mirrored anywhere else in the world, which is understandable. It's it's rather convoluted and kind of like wonky, yeah, but that's how it was intended to be. It was the great experiment, right? Uh, with that in mind, I think the prosperity that the United States brings to the table, and like we've spoken in the past. Uh, how great it's freest, best nation in the world. It's here. And uh, the proliferation of many of the ideas, if not taken wholesale, uh, taken in part and considered as, well, it's kind of worked out over here. Maybe we can tweak this. Maybe we can do something somewhat like that. Uh, I think, I don't know. I, I mean, wholeheartedly, I am an American fanboy. I think it's the best. And yeah. But I think we both would admit that even though we do profess that, right? We both love this country, that we love the idea, we love everything it stands for. We also aren't blind to the fact that it is not flawless and it is not perfect. And there's a lot that we've done wrong in the past. And there's a lot that we're going to continue to do wrong. And there's processes that are imperfect and that we can improve. And that those are definitely things that we can look for and we can acknowledge. Um, but just it still just comes back like we believe and talk about how people are intrinsically good and I believe that America is intrinsically good not that 
it's perfect. And I don't think every person is perfect, but I do believe that there's going to be people who will focus on just the bad and just the negative and try to drive it down instead of saying, yes, we have our scars, we have our blemishes. Let's recognize those, but let's find a way to get through it together and make it you stole to form, you know, a more perfect union. That's what exactly what I was about to say is uh, if I heard you right, I heard you say a more perfect union, which, of course, is the preamble to the Constitution, right? So, yeah, sure is. that's that's eloquently said is that, yeah, we're not perfect. Uh, and there's definitely um, onus and fault on our hands. And it's important to remember those. It's it's definitively important because if you don't remember that history, you're doomed to repeat it. To sit there and uh, idly wonder, you know, why certain things are, that's okay. Let's figure out, let's go back through history, find out why. Uh, let's examine, you know, all things. Yeah, I, I think that's that was one of our motivators, right? It was like, let's examine lots of the things. Hopefully, I mean, obviously start with the foundation of what we know or what we think. And then as we can grow and as we can build, find other people who can expand on those areas or those arenas that we don't know and go forward from there. Shout out. If you ever would like to be on the Use After Free podcast, let us know. Connect with us on Twitter or other social medias. Exactly. Great plug. It was perfect. And I think that that would, you know, just broaden everything. I, I don't want to create an echo chamber. Um, I don't yeah. want to create a place that is just a rehash of anywhere else that you could say that we've talked about or we may not have yet. Um, I really do want someone else, though, who can come on because we can, I believe, both play devil's advocate, but I don't think it's necessarily the same understanding. So there's I think, I think there's a difference in the idea of like holding an idea conceptually in your mind, even trying to believe that idea but actually believing that idea and i can't even think of the word for it but like accepting it as truth right uh, understanding it to your understanding that that is a, a quintessential truth um i i think laying that groundwork is while it's easy to replicate from a debatist perspective uh to emphatically argue something and believe you have the moral high ground about the situation or the uh, history of it is it is a different thing entirely. Sure. I would agree on that. Now, um, I mean, if we were to go back again and look at some more examinations on, um, around thankfulness um, that we can pull from the internet, there's some interesting, uh, there's some interesting polls out there or some interesting data. Um, so they they did the same poll, this, the same people, and said, at Thanksgiving, whom do, to whom do you typically give thanks? At 68% comes in family. At 67% is God. 42% is friends. 16% is myself. 10% is fate, which seems weird that people give thanks to fate but hey you know and then another four percent is i don't give thanks so i guess the non-answer group of the people that's interesting i mean uh it's interesting in the sense that like hey just not really me uh do you think that's a nihilist perspective or just a perspective of like uh, i just don't consider it it just don't I don't see what, what there is to be thankful for. What's your take on that? I think if we're looking at it's American adults, it was done across. It was by the Harris poll. It was 2000 adults. And there's a couple ways that you could do it. There may be the odd nihilist in there or not, but I mean, you catch, you know, just the single 22 year old male. That's stereotypical. I don't think he's baking himself a pie and roasting a whole turkey and making the layout and then giving thanks before dinner. You know, he or I just I just think there's probably a small group that way. Or you find a family that doesn't really celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, either way, I mean, out of two thousand four percent, you know, it's it's not a ton of people. 
but it's a it's a decent amount. Um, and then it could also be in the way, like given the context of the other answers and the ones above, it kind of sounds to me, again, this may be my bias, but it sounds like what is said at Grace and what people are thankful for that day. And it could just be a gathering where people eat. So some of the people answered, we don't give thanks. And the fact of like, there's no prayer before we eat. It's just hmm. buffet style. So it's interesting also was that the harris pool was it uh united states citizens only uh i would believe so because it said they pulled americans okay so yeah um well i just checked wikipedia and could be abroad but yeah it's actually surprising to me that uh different places actually have an observance of thanksgiving such as australia brazil canada i did know canada i knew that one Grenada, Liberia, the Netherlands, Philippines, St. Lucia, and the United States. Interesting. Any of those pop out to you is interesting? I mean, Philippines makes sense. Why is that? Well, they, they're pretty American-focused in their celebrations um, and how they, they respond and celebrate. Um, St. Lucia makes sense since they were colonized by the Netherlands. So, since the Netherlands was on that list, that makes sense to me. Um, Australia, Canada, I mean, there's, I mean, they both fall under the British monarch, but that seems odd. Brazil is the weird one to me. I just, that's what I thought also was uh, Brazil. It didn't seem like it seems like there's, there'd be a large population of indigenous individuals in Brazil. So, having a Thanksgiving seemed a little different to me. Um, reading the citation, it says in Brazil, national in Brazil, National Thanksgiving Day was instituted by President Gaspar Dutra, probably butchered that name. Apologies, uh, through Law 781 in August of 49, uh, at the suggestion of the ambassador, who was enthusiastic about the commemorations he saw in a 1909 St. Patrick's Cathedral as an ambassador in Washington in 1966. Law 5110 established the Thanksgiving celebration would take place on the fourth Thursday of November. The date is celebrated by many families of American origin, by some Protestant church denominations, such as the Evangelical Church, Lutheran Church of Brazil, which is an American origin, Presbyterian Church, lifts off a whole bunch of them. Uh, so interesting. So it seems like the ambassador uh, saw the celebration at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Washington was like, man, we should do that too. Yeah, uh, with a small touch of the expats from here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, going back to what we spoke about earlier, you know, American ideas and uh, good stuff being shipped abroad and other countries adopting it. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's just interesting. Are they just they just did it because they like the festivities? <laughs> Pretty much how it seems. It also seems like there's a religious or secular tone to it because they cite a bunch of different churches as well. Yeah, I mean, this poll touches on that too. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, it. Some of the interesting ones here is uh. Among those who are self-identified Christians and those who attend worship services weekly are the most likely to express thanksgiving towards God this time of year at 94%, which makes sense. Also, those with evangelical beliefs are more likely than other Americans to say that they're thankful for God, which is, you know, 96 to 60%. Um, but interestingly, Protestants at 83% are more likely than Catholics at 72%. And those belonging to other religions at 62%. It's, and then a third of religiously unaffiliated Americans, 32%, say that they are thankful to God on Thanksgiving. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up the evangelical, the uh, Christian, uh, Christian Christianity, like overarching thing, because one of the other things that uh, I would draw as a similarity is that Brazil is also known for its large denomination of uh, Christianity. They've got the big statue of Jesus in Rio de Janeiro. They do. Christ the Redeemer would be the name of that. Thank you. Monument, yep. Um, 
I think the interesting part there, though, the one that stuck out to me, though, is the uh, the Protestants at 83% are more likely than Catholics at 72%. Um, and I think that that's interesting because you find today a lot of, um, I find not all, obviously, very generally, but there's a stronger group of Catholic identification without going to church as a cultural, familial, social organization much like you have in the Jewish faith or the Jewish population where people will be ethnically Jewish. I find a lot of people will still identify Catholic who are not prescribing to the Catholic religion because it's been so instilled from the family or whatever growing up. So I wonder if that kind of is capturing that there's people here calling themselves Catholic but they're Catholic because you were raised Catholic, not because that is their own held belief or practiced belief yeah. where I don't see too much of that on the Protestant side. But again, this is my own observation and clearly not <laughs> a statistical analysis. Yeah. Well, identifying as a creaster, someone who's not familiar with the term, and he, uh, creaster is someone who attends church on Christmas and Easter as a Catholic, you know, twice a year uh those are important days to hit uh observing those and uh the rest of the time i really you know like you said uh, the catholic connotation falling more to a ethnic sort of fall into that group kind of category sure which i mean there's a lot of things that could be said about religion and uh thankfulness for that the idea that um i had a really riveting discussion with one of my friends about how he his initial thought process was well religion as it as it stands is a way a mechanism for people to for of collectivism to have to give for you know whatever reason I was like, okay, I hear what you're saying because, uh, you know, you have a tithing, you contribute to the church in one form, fashion, or the other. And it is a form of collectivism in the sense that you all worship the same God and presiding, right? Uh, sure, I'll buy that. But there's a lot more other beneficial things that come out of a church than just the idea of collectivism or helping helping your fellow man definitely and to that extent like uh my grandfather told me once uh, the difference i honestly I, I can't remember the exact context of the statement but it was like getting kids into church places them in a group places them in the ability to be surrounded by other thoughtful individuals to to help raise them not in a vacuum that here is at least something that you can be a part of sure is it collectivist yeah i'll give you that but uh are the other individuals that are there could be mentors or show goodwill i think that uh that would be my main argument for even if you're not devoutly adhering to the religion um you'll still pick up great beliefs that are, I mean, our society was founded on Judeo-Christian beliefs. I agree. Um, That was one of my big stresses too, is the social impact and just building up that connection is vital, Um, especially as we talked earlier about, you know, this post-COVID time and building friendships and building those connections. Having an organization that does that with a unified goal at the forefront is a very positive influence. And I mean, obviously there comes with the caveat of if done right. I mean, there are bad apples everywhere and I'm not saying that everyone is bad and I'm not saying that there are none that exist, but in the generalities that we are normally speaking, it will only stand to benefit, especially in those years, especially as you look forward and you see, yeah, the formative years, exactly. And you see that the, uh, I think it also is great for you. Again, this is going to be conjecture for me, but you know, for you having interactions with other people who have been 
down the road with raising a family a few years ahead of you, um, giving you that collective knowledge and giving you that advice and that help if needed. And then you being able to pass on what you know to those uh, going forward. Like, I mean, I just think that that's a great, yeah, that is collectivist. I, I get it. But it's collectivist in a social sense, not in a political sense. Yeah, I mean, but there is also the aspect of the social capital. Um, to that extent, I'm sure there is more than one couple who has met at a church and has benefited through faith and religion. Uh, Definitely. You know? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, we can save a whole bunch of topics for the, a discussion or two. I'm just different religious outpoint viewpoints, influences, focuses. Um, but I mean, it does make, it does make my short list of things that I am thankful for. Um, especially as we'll probably get in there, but at a high level, just like my tumultuous journey to where I am today. And I'm, it's always in the forefront of my mind and I am very thankful for my faith. You mentioned the tumultuous journey. Are you thankful for that? I am. I think I'm thankful for it for the same reason I'm thankful for every person who has disagreed with me and had a conversation about it. I think that I live almost in a state of constantly questioning and being worried that I only know my one thing and that must be the truth and it goes forward. And that that journey allowed me to challenge myself and challenge my own thoughts and then finally arrive at where I am and be firm in where I am and not just have the because it is yeah, line of I, thought. I think that if you're ever to the parenting point, right? Uh, raising children is interesting and giving them a because statement is quick. Answer the stuff, next slide. Uh, and there's there's times where that is absolutely necessary. Get in the car. Oh my God, especially at Thanksgiving time. Um, it, it's It's important, but having them be able to rationalize through what things are and why they are will make them more resilient in their beliefs, uh, able to question themselves, be self-reflective. And uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, I'm grateful for that, for being cognizant that my kids are going to grow up one day and I might not be able to be there all the time to help them along, but uh, I'm going to try and prepare them with the best tooling if you will to understand their circumstances i also want to point out something i don't know if you called out but i am appreciative of with that philosophy that you have is that you're also showing your children that respect you're not taking an authoritative dictatorial approach when you take the time to explain and show them that you're giving them the respect and the dignity of who they are to be deserving of that. And I think that that is a fundamental lesson that you are instilling now that will pay beyond dividends in their future. Yes. And it is a double-edged sword, I can tell you as a parent. When you get into a thoughtful debate with your child and they have boxed you into a corner, it is a it is an interesting feat of mental gymnastics to be able to defeat them. It's also very pride giving. Do you next slide your children? I do next slide them uh, primarily in the morning when something absurd is going on. I haven't had coffee. I am not prepared to deal with that at the moment. It's like, what? That this doesn't make just next slide. Okay, give give daddy like thirty minutes. Let him have a cup of coffee. Let him collect his thoughts, please. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's, uh, I honestly, um, when it comes to raising children and having them do the critical thinking, like I said, I, I think it's critically important. And uh, honestly, it wasn't something I honestly considered until I observed one of my family members doing this with their children. Uh, she spoke to her child like she was 
just a regular person. I was like, well, it's, that's really intriguing. As I watched her interactions, uh, she, my father uh, teased her at the age of four or five and said, you wear diapers like a baby. And she said, I'm not going to entertain that and walked away. That's phenomenal. It was, it was glorious. I was just like, that is, that is epic. So yeah, uh, again, to, to bring it about back around to being thankful, I'm thankful to have the mentors in my life who have shown me uh, phenomenal things, the, uh, whether they be peers or older or anything of that sort. The individuals who have, I've encountered have all been formative in making me who I am. Uh, I'm personally grateful for every interaction. Here's a question that just popped up. Have you ever had a formal mentor in your life? Like someone that you sat down and had a conversation with or pursued a mentor-mentee relationship with? Or have they always been a more organic type of development? And I would lump if you had an NCO or non-commissioned officer or someone else in your your professional career, I would not put that as a mentor-mentee, right? That would be more of just like a byproduct of the organization. But have you ever sought that out or not? Sought it out uh, very, very young. Um, did anything fruitful come from it? Not so much. Uh, by the time I was capable of understanding what the actual dynamic of a mentor-mentee was, I had surpassed the... So let me back up. Short answer, yes, once in high school. Uh, I got into a small amount of trouble in high school uh, where I had loaded up the school server with uh some mp3s well the school server was only ever built to hold uh document files so they had a 50 gig hard drive and when they noticed the capacity you know was near full because i put a couple gigs on there uh they contacted me and were like one you're in trouble two we're giving you the mentor of the school technical person right uh by the time i actually understood what that meant i had delved so far into technology that a lot of the questions a lot of the answers were surpassing what the school had as far as technology and could provide so there wasn't a lot of like okay how do i drive forward and do this um to that extent i so as far as like early years, not so much. I did have a phenomenal mentor, not in the sense that it was formal uh, in one of my positions at the VA. Uh, just a real humble, awesome guy. I considered him my mentor and he was like, by the uh, time I left the VA, he considered me a peer and he's like, yeah, you know, Mac, I totally understand why you're leaving the VA. Things just aren't fun anymore. How about you? Sure. Um, I think, I don't think I ever pursued having a mentor in a formal sense. Um, I, I was in organizations. I was in Boy Scouts. Um, I went up that route, but I don't think, even though I didn't seek out even like my scout master or one of the, uh, life scouts or star scouts above me as a mentor figure. Uh, I did the opposite though. Uh, I participated in, um, I was a technical mentor for Cyber Patriot uh, for a couple, for a team for a few years, helped stand them up. Uh, but I don't think I took on that role in a formal sense with the kids. I tried very much to just be approachable. Here's the knowledge, treat them as knowing what they know and being able to answer questions and kind of answer their questions with questions to guide them to the correct answer. Um, but I, that's the only, I would say formal mentorship type thing. I, one of my first supervisors actually in the military was someone I would informally say was one of my 
true mentors and he set me up for the success in my career through the government before I eventually left. Um, but I, I consistently owe him so much gratitude for getting me to where I am. And I view him as one of the more formative mentors in adulting in a professional sense, like outside, outside of a family dynamic, he is kind of the one that really drove. And I looked up to, and went through that emulation, learning, and then communicating phase. And then by the time I actually left, or by the time he left the military, we were more on a on a peer level. Nice. But nice. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's definitely been some formative people in my uh, time that have, uh, you know, just when it comes down to formative people for that extent, I really do appreciate the military because they've shown me both the good and the bad and. Uh, the bad is, oh Lord, um, senior NCO being told they have to leave the tactical operations center because their body odor is egregious. Sure. I Yeah, I think I learned more from observing the bad and what I don't want to see or what I don't want to be than I did from observing the good. Yeah, um, but I'm, again... Uh, that being the tip of the iceberg, right? And and saying, okay, well, sure. this was bad, but uh, quintessential things like how to take care of your people, how to make sure that, uh, you know, uh, my father's always told me, old army NCO, you take care of your people and they'll take care of you. So if there's a task that has to get done or one of your guys has to cut out early and just to make sure you take care of them because when it comes down to it and something's got to get accomplished, they'll, that'll be re- reciprocated. It's just, I've always lived by that mantra, that and the idea that you never ask anyone to do something you wouldn't do. You never put your, put others in a situation, uh, which you yourself wouldn't be in. Right. I, I think those are both key factors to successful leadership, which again is something else that we can dive into for a very long time sure. and probably bring a maybe not unique to our group of people, but unique to the wider sense point of view. Broader audience, our, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Given our past experiences. But um, yeah, I, I think circling Leadership back. Is a, again, is a generality being thankful for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. being shown the correct examples and it's being shown them in an organic way or incorrect um, that's that not you know corporate that's not corporate bullet points or four lenses or whatever things we're doing these days or a force training there are people who know exactly what four lenses are and we're gonna leave it there so no one else gets upset um but yeah i think that that you know the mentorship idea and i think that that's something that i've been thankful for and it's something that i've wanted to emulate and to give back and i think that's another reason why i seek those communities or i seek those collective social dynamics where those could occur um not that they have to but where they could and that opportunity can present itself um, and because I don't think that I'm done either. Like I would love to find other people that I can continue to learn from and glean things from sure. and, and move forward that way. Yeah. I see that through my local hacker community and uh, engaging with them. I've, and being a part of that really does allow me to have, you know, individuals who I look up to and respect uh, wholeheartedly. And I consider them not only like, uh, peers but mentors in a sense where uh given their specific subject matter expertise ranging from uh i don't know uh, specifics on circuitry or cryptography a whole slew of different things and uh just just having that i guess would that be considered social capital to be able to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. I mean, I think those are all big, um, big points uh, that are overlooked. And I think people today as a general rule are saying that they aren't needed or they aren't required and that we don't need to learn from each other or that 
you know, this seems to be such this race and this pedigree and this elitism, egalitarianism that says that, oh, well, you're not the pinnacle of this or you're not the expert. Therefore, why should I listen to you as opposed to maybe you've been around the block a couple of times and just picking up on this thing may be very beneficial to me. Like it's this when you say egalitarianism, are there actual eagles? What does that mean? Yeah, you you literally turn into an eagle. Uh, really though, what's egalitarianism? Egalitarianism is basically the idea, or the thought that all people are um, like equal and have this like equal right and opportunity, um, which is basically you're trying to prioritize social equality um, that puts everyone up in a moral status. Got it. And that, you know, can lead to counterintuitive intricacies. Sure. So, um, thank you for the vocabulary vocabulary word of the day. I'd like to ask you a question. Sure. When is the last time you went out of your way to say thank you to someone you didn't necessarily have to? Like, it would have been social norm. You should just be like, yesterday. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yep. I I mean, it's sad in the example because I think you're right. It's going outside of the norm or outside of the the standard uh, that I have observed. But we were out and we were doing some exploring yesterday down in Kentucky. He was a really nice guy. He He held the door twice, asked how the day, how our day was going. And just going by, you know, I, I thanked him for holding the door and asked him in response how his day was. And I just, I don't see that a lot. Um, most people would either just walk through or be weirded out by someone holding a door open these days. Sure. Um, personally, I, a couple of days ago, driving down the street, real nice weather out here, and uh, saw a policeman doing a patrol, stopped and said, hey, you know, I'm, you know, all sorts of stuff going on in the world today. And I just want to say, I really appreciate you guys doing foot patrols through the neighborhood. And uh, I don't know if you hear it or not, but thank you. You're you're very much appreciated. Well, that's phenomenal. Yeah. It, it's, uh, again, I, I'm very grateful for the time and place in which I live. Uh, the services that are established just the police uh i'm truly blessed thankful grateful whatever you would like to call it uh and recognize the fact that uh you know it's it's a great place to be where i'm at definitely even in spite of all the things that have been raised yeah in the climate not that there are not issues sure uh to write those off no i mean it's it's just, uh, you know, another layer for them. And it's not, they don't get anything special out of it. Right. It just, it's just another harder day. Yep. So, as you know, I used to hear at my former job, sometimes you just have to embrace the suck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. And that's, it's, yeah. it's tough. It's tough doing that over and over and over. And when the uh, beatings continue until morale improves, right? Exactly. Uh, it's it's hard to to eat that soup with a fork. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's tough. So I just um, into that end, like the other point I wanted to make on on this specific kind of question, how I posed it and whatnot was, uh, uh, I really make sure to go out of my way, like complete out of my way. And say, tell my friends, especially when we're arguing about politics or anything else of the nature, that I appreciate the conversations we're having with each other. I appreciate that they, uh, one, can have those conversations with me, uh, but two, that they're not just, you know, shelling up or cutting off that communication. Yeah, I mean, that's extremely difficult. I mean, it's hard to overcome. Um, And I, it, you know, it takes that experience and it takes that focus and it takes that willingness to do self-examination and to do understanding. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's 
it builds. It's the something you have to just work at. It's something you have to continually engage in. And not only just because it will make you better at it, but because people change over time. And there are so many other factors and so many other circumstances that could impact a decision that, you know, you, you need to revisit those those topics. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm 100% advocating for you to go discuss politics at the dinner table. But if you do, uh, just remember during the discourse that, you know, uh, thank the person for actually giving you their time and thank them for, you know, engaging in the discussion because uh, each of our, each individual's time is worth something. It's, and uh, having the respect for that other person, I think is essential to a good riveting debate. And maybe lay, you know, some of the, some, some of the framework that you do believe the other person is good and you do want to hear that side because you think overall, Maybe the goal is the same. Maybe the end goal is still the same, that there are certain improvements in certain areas. And really, you're just trying to figure out, is it better to take the toll road or is it better to take the expressway? I mean, you're just trying to figure out what path is the best way to get there. And that's where you are disagreeing. It's not that the person as an individual is wrong. It's not that they are lesser or that you are. It's just there's different ways and there needs to be a discussion about it and finding the common ground, right? Sure. Uh, examining that and, uh, what commonalities are there? Is there, is there an establishment of a, uh, of a universal truth that you both can, you know, uh, agree upon, like start off with that. It, it makes discussions a lot easier. Again, going back to like, how do you start, uh, a, a debate discussion define what you're both talking about because sometimes you'll speak to someone you'll you'll start in on that and then oh you're talking about that well i'm talking about this over here but uh again circling back around cognitive be cognizant and thankful of uh of the individuals you get to engage with definitely so are you and your family doing anything special for this holiday I haven't looked at the calendar. I'm doing something. I'm not sure what. It's a crazy year, man. Well, to that end, uh, I am not the best person to keep an agenda or calendar. I luckily have an amazing wife who tells me where to be, what I need to show up in. And the rest for me is like, okay, get the logistics of that to work. She figures out what she wants to happen. I make all the logistics of it happening be a thing. That's good. Do you guys have any fun traditions? Just the, the are you a football. Are you a football no, Thanksgiving family? Are you a Macy's Day Parade family? Not really. Not really. How about Just, you? Just uh, eat some turkey thing. Eat some turkey. Hang out. Lots of talk. Um, one thing I've noticed the past couple of years is a uh, more and more bias for discussion of which advertisements came out what looks nice and uh remember when this first kind of happened i was like oh they're doing black friday on thursday kind of a thing that was interesting i don't remember a couple years back you remember when they started that whole thing yeah remember it used to be midnight on thursday and then it became like nine then like the year before it became like six and now it's like noon not even like now they it's I'm getting advertisements in my email that are like, it's think it's Black Friday week. That's not how that. Okay. Oh, like how Cyber Monday became the month of November. Exactly. Exactly like that. Yeah. Um, as for us, no. I mean, there's not a ton. Uh, when I was growing up, it was always watch watch the Lions lose, eat some food, in sadness. And uh, it was basically that. It was a few few times, depending on which side of the family, if it wasn't both, uh, was together. It was, you know, catching up with some family members that I only see once a year, maybe. Uh, maybe twice, depending on if they stay for Christmas or whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's it mostly talking, just spending time together. It's always my family coming together. And it was always a home-cooked meal. Um, and football was on. 
uh, I know that there's families that always go and see a movie on Thanksgiving Day, which I growing up baffled me when they're like movie release Thanksgiving Day. Um, and it, it just that it was crazy to me. to me. But I know people do it. Um, and I yeah, so we we didn't do anything else really. I mean, it's probably the most prototypical American Thanksgiving that you could think of. Except for we never really played football on the front lawn on, you know, like our horse farm estate. Played football. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I did play the football and my parents watched the football. Uh, now that I'm married and primarily the in-laws for Thanksgiving, um, it's it's more of the discussion side of the house, um, which is interesting. So it can be. Yep. Treading those waters. Yeah, exactly. I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I, I love my in-laws. They're fantastic. Um, I have our uh, disagreements and whatnot, but all in all, I very much appreciate them allowing me into their lives, and I'm thankful to have them in mind. I mean, they did give you your wife, after all. I mean, or did I steal her? You can cut that part out. <laughs> I believe that one alone. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but to that end, uh, just different, uh, different kind of aspects. Uh, I mean, the 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 biggest thing for us is the coming together, especially now living in a different state. Uh, yeah, packing up the definitely. kids, and uh, I think also with the age your kids are at, I don't know. I'm speculating, but does that make does that make an impact really on the the gathering and make it more special or anything? knowing that they're having that time or not necessarily just because any time they spend with their grandparents is kind of is, is good. Um, I see that as uh, beneficial for both the grandparents and children because Definitely. I mean, I've, I've known quite a few people who have gotten older and died and I've seen one out of the many I've known who did not want to better know their grandchildren, who did not want to connect with their um, children in some form or fashion as uh, later years in life. It um, wasn't one exception, sure. but uh, there are special odd circumstances. Definitely. Yeah, I just, I didn't know um, if, you know, obviously different experiences and pasts, but. Um, just you know, I know your your kids are starting. You have a few different ages there, but you know, as they start to get a little bit older, a little bit more personality, they start to really have those memories that they'll start to remember. If that was a conscious thought of yours, or if you know, I mean, like you said, it doesn't really matter because every time is good time. I think this could be an outlook thing, or if, if you just feel that way. I mean, I obviously I'm coming from a place of no children or experience yeah. in that, so it's just kind of like you know the the three the three to five year old is like for me like those are the young kids that are really fun because they're, they're people i love home babies they're cute i love them but you know once they're three and five and get spunky can, oh, it can lead to some fun yeah times. it's i mean it, they're the excitement and the innocence of children is is something i think that's that we could all be thankful for. Um, I know when my son, who's uh, nearly three, just is like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And he gets through. He's like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever right here. And it's just like, I just walked in and I'm picking you up to take you downstairs. It's, we do this every day. He's like. I found you. This is definitely worth being thankful for. Yeah. We've talked about a lot of things uh, that we're thankful for. Diverse thoughts, our values, our people, our friends. Uh, and the time that we have coming forward, coming together. Uh, I'd also like to say I'm thankful for all of you listening. For you guys giving us the time of the day to hear us talk. Uh, it's an absolute wonder that someone listens to us uh so in this 
just to wrap everything up, uh, thank you guys for being so awesome. And uh, thank you, and for, you know, co-hosting and being involved in my life. Couldn't have said it better, man. Appreciate it all. Thankful for the people there. Thankful for you and your family and the impact and all that we've had. Um, and there's a lot more to come. <laughs>